Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the Jets Lab podcast. Uh, man, it's been a while since we've heard those bubbles last. Uh, I'm Joey Bonsanti. Sitting across the laptop from me is Jared Romeo, JT, my co-host and good friend. It's been a long, long time, JT. How are you doing? Joey, I've missed it, and it has been a long time, and we have a lot to catch up on, that's for sure. I don't even think Wordle was a thing last time we were on here. <laughs> yeah, if it was, then <laughs> only like three people must have known about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been almost a full two months now since we've last done the podcast, but uh, scheduling conflicts, bunch of stuff that's been going on, and, but we're, we are back now for real, I think. <laughs> um, and there's we're been just back. so much that's been has gone on in this two month time period, including from Super Bowls to um I mean, last time we were on here, we didn't even know who the Super Bowl champion was. So congratulations to the Rams. That was a pretty good game. I don't think anyone expected the Bengals to be in that game, but uh, good for them. And I think the Bengals being there gave a lot of fans like us hope that something like this can be turned around a lot quicker than expected. Joey, the Bengals are the golden poster for the NFL and how Roger Goodell can point to the fact that the NFL draft works, the system works. They were last in the league two years ago, all the way to Super Bowl runner-ups. This is just the blueprint that every team, like the Jags, Jets, Lions, Texans, that they're going to say, follow that, do what the Bengals did, and then you're going to be fine. Now, hopefully we can actually do that and execute it, but it's a lot easier said than done. Yep, exactly. And now we're heading into a crucial point. Like we're picking this podcast back up right as free agency begins. The tampering period starts tomorrow on Monday, the 14th. It officially opens up on two, on uh, March 16th, which is a couple of days after. And I mean, over the past month, we've had tons of speculations, rumors about a, a bunch of different players. I'm just going to start to write them off. And obviously a lot of you guys know about some of the stuff that's happened with some of the players that we were about to mention, but just to kind of give the overview of, of what had happened. So obviously Calvin Ridley was hot on our radar. There's a lot of people wondering, could the Jets be a suitor? Could maybe the Patriots be a suitor? You know, where could Calvin Ridley go? Maybe the Eagles. Before, I guess, any trade had gone down, found out that Calvin Ridley had been busted for gambling on games. Not a ton, but, you know, he still had put in a few three, five, eight-leg parlays on his own team the Falcons again, not while he was playing, but still you can't do that and is now suspended for a year, which pretty much puts him out of all trade discussions for any team. Pretty classy move by the Falcons though, kind of pulling out of trade talks with other teams, I guess rumored to be like the Eagles who had a deal set in place and pretty much said that's not happening because of what's going on. Unfortunate, but you know, you can't gamble on games as a player. It comes out of that. This is one of the biggest losses. I would have loved to have Calvin Ridley going out there for the Jets as a wide receiver. I'm more disappointed about not being able to get him than I am about some of the other guys we're going to be talking about. But yeah, gambling, big no-no. Kind of sucks because the NFL now, every other ad you're going to be seeing for probably the next 10 years is going to be DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, Caesars, my sportsbook, mybookie.com who knows it's going to be an awkward gray position for a lot of players but it's still as of now a big no-no yeah and I, that's a big that's the big debate from people is like 
well, the NFL's biggest moneymaker is marketing these, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel. So why do the players get to be have to be punished? Well, you can't say, oh, well, if a player isn't playing and he's out due to mental health issues, then he could bet on a certain if there's too much, you know, it has to be this. You're not betting on games. Like it doesn't matter if you're you're playing, it doesn't matter if you're sitting out, it doesn't matter if you're injured. You don't partake in that kind of stuff as a player. And unfortunately, you know, it it, it results in a very heavy suspension. Now people are arguing why why do guys who commit like sexual assault or any of those kind of charges along those lines are only out six games or four games or eight games. That's a good question. Like that is something that the NFL definitely needs to revisit because that doesn't seem to line up. Like at the end of the day, Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley bet $1,500 and he's out a year compared to someone who may have committed a worse crime. Yeah. It's definitely someone who has a much bigger paycheck to figure out that problem. Why, but this is kind of a victimless crime here. The only money people would have potentially been losing is the Vegas sports books. And I don't think anyone really cares about them. All right. So Ridley's off the board. We, we can't get him. And our next guy was like, all right, we can maybe get Cooper. Cooper uh, rumored to be released by the Cowboys at some point within the, the upcoming weeks. And then it, the, the trade talk started picked up, picking up. And yesterday I parked my car, I pick up my phone and I look and he was traded. Not to the Jets, though, uh, for a fifth and sixth round pick over to Cleveland. And Cleveland will pick up his contract, which is $20 million a year. First reactions to this, I was angry. I wanted Amari Cooper. I, I, I figured you get Amari, you get Corey Davis, you get Elijah Moore. That's a really good three, a very, very good three for Zach Wilson. And now you don't really have to worry about wide receiver going into the top 10. And you could kind of maybe focus on getting a wide receiver in the second or third round. We'll get more to the draft later, but that was kind of my thinking in, in maybe getting a guy like Amari Cooper. At the end of the day, I'm not, I'm kind of over it. Like I told you yesterday, I, I, I moved past this very quickly. Like 20 million is a lot for a guy who is getting older, who is seen his fair share of injuries over the years. So again, I'm not kicking myself over it, but at the end of the day, it's like you couldn't give up a, a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick to, to get a guy like that. It's definitely up for debate. Yeah, it's fine, to be honest, wherever it is. We don't get Amari Cooper. Yeah, that sucks. But as you just said, $20 million that would have eaten up into our cap space. DJ Enemy has been tweeting about how it's almost been silly for Jets fans to even care that much about Amari Cooper, a guy who has never had an 1,100-yard season, never more than 10 touchdowns, has been injured the past three seasons. So, yeah, it's a loss. It's not that big of a loss. I'm more upset, to be honest, about Calvin Ridley than I am about Amari Cooper. And the fact that you saw the Browns were paying a five and a six, Joe Douglas will have had to obviously do better than that offer. He's probably thinking, I don't want to be unloading and getting into a bidding war here for a guy who probably is going to be released anyway and who would have eaten up more than half of our cap space for the next three seasons maybe maybe even four seasons so it is what it is yeah and i see the the arguments from both sides but again jets twitter taking it to the next extreme and just like the whole off season was ruined because we didn't get amari cooper like there's way there's a lot of other options here we're going to turn to free agency tomorrow and we're going to turn to the draft and it's not like wide receiver is going to go 
untouched here. Like something is going to happen. I, just, I don't know who it's going to be. Something will happen, though. It, not Amari Cooper. It's not going to be Ridley. We're not giving up capital for a wide receiver. I do think we could give up capital for maybe other positions via trade, but I just right now, wide receiver, it's not looking too great in terms of trading for one. Um, I guess a couple other points here. Those are kind of the big players that we've uh, quote-unquote missed out. The trade for DK, I think that's pretty much unrealistic as well. It's it's fun to think about. Like, all right, Seattle ships off Russ to Denver. Are they rebuilding? Like I told you pre-show, like if you to acquire DK Metcalf, you're going to have to give up a first-round pick probably this year, probably the 10th overall pick, and then plus pay him more than what Amari would have gotten. So you just think Amari is like almost like the bar kind of not really, but you know, you know, DK is going to want more than 20. <laughs> it's you, Exactly. You give Seattle their 10 back. Then you have to pay this guy, say 22 mil per year, make him the next highest paid receiver. Cause he's only 24 years old. He's going to want to get that bag, but then you are so invested in it. If you don't give him that money, then you really look stupid even though it's a sunk cost because you gave up that pick, you'd be Joe Douglas would be out of a job if he didn't pay him. Similar, similarly to how Jamal Adams got his bag from the Seahawks, and that GM would have been out of a job if he didn't pay Jamal. It was a lose-lose situation in my book, but like you said, the chances of this trade even happening was slim to none, and it doesn't look like the Seahawks are going to be out of the uh, rebuilding phase or that they're even going to be going into the rebuilding phase. looks like they're just going to reload, hopefully. Yeah, and I mean, so that's three wide receivers via trade that we're probably not going to get. And there's a lot of smoke behind the DK thing on Jets Twitter. Not in real life, though. Like, that's that's really not a real possibility. If you think it is, then it's fun to dream. And I, I know it's awesome to think of DK Metcalf in a Jets uniform catching passes. It's just unrealistic from how expensive and how costly it's going to be from capital and our money standpoint. So a couple other points outside of wide receivers and stuff like that. We, we did have a chance to the jets did at least coach the senior bowl with the Lions, which was an awesome experience. I feel for the coaching staff and for some of the players coming out. I feel like it gives you the upper hand and it's a pretty, pretty unique experience for our coaching staff and for in terms of scouting these players. I don't know how much that's actually going to benefit us come draft time. But a lot of hype was around the tight end group. The Jets needed a tight end. Could we pick up one of these guys? And I guess everyone's getting fired up about Coach Middleton out there firing, firing up the players before uh, the big game on Friday night. It was a pretty cool experience. I think it, it does help a little bit. I don't think it's going to be a massive help in term, upper hand on other teams, but it's definitely good to, to get your coaching staff out there with those guys. And all of the reports that were coming from the Jets side of the Senior Bowl was how excellent the coaching staff was, how involved they were, how they treated it like it was still the NFL to prepare these kids for going into the NFL. And the videos, too, were just so awesome seeing Salah, LaFleur, Middleton talking about these kids and how they're keeping their eye on them, who obviously not getting too specific with who they like, but just so cool seeing the Jets get good media coverage for this coaching experience that they just had. Do you think it's going to be like, do you think it offers that much of an upper hand in terms of scouting? Like, I feel like a lot of people look into that a little bit too much. 
I don't think that much because any coach can go to these practices. And I'm pretty sure there were multiple teams that were there. It's just the Jets are running the practice as were the Lions running the practice for the other team. It's more so just good, I think, uh, good headlines, you know, getting the Jets names out there, being like, wow, Robert Sala, Middleton, LaFleur, these guys are actually knowing how to run a practice. And for these kids to have their first experience being with Jets coaches, then kind of gets them talking, saying one day maybe I want to play for the Jets, even if they don't draft me. So it could just be something that maybe that's a little far-fetched thinking, but I, I think there's probably a few guys out there who were like, wow, I would love to play for this guy when in the uh, pro level. Sorry, I was on mute there. But speaking of tight ends, because I just mentioned tight ends, I mean, at least my top free agent target got franchise tagged in Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys. It was pretty an obvious and apparent move for the Cowboys to make it. I mean, why wouldn't you? Because you, you tag him, you let Cooper go, and now you could bring – essentially you bring Schultz and Gallup back for less than what they would pay Amari Cooper. So it's kind of like a, a more of a package deal, more of a value deal for them rather than paying Amari Cooper. And I mean, all of this is really happening in Dallas because of Zeke's contract, which is a mess. And that's why you don't really pay running backs. But anyways, back to my original point, we're not getting Dalton Schultz, which sucks. Dalton Schultz was had to have been my number one target. And that really did hurt. Then also seeing guys like Najoku get tagged, not too upset about him, but the tight end market quickly dwindled. It was just one after the other franchise tagged pretty much on all of them. So pretty much just set in stone that the Jets are going to have to draft a tight end. Maybe you can sign the guy like um, his name's avoiding me right now, uh, escaping me right now, but I'll get back to that. Hayden but Hurst. That's, uh, Hayden Hurst, he could be one. And that's the name I was thinking of. Uh, he's um, on, the, on the free agent market is what you're asking, right? Yeah, there's a few tight ends out there on the free agent market. Gerald Everett, maybe? Everett, that's the one I'm thinking okay. of. There um, you go. Yeah, you can sign a guy like Everett, draft a guy, draft two tight ends. There's a lot of ways we can do this where it's not the end of the world. So it sucks right now, but there's plenty of fish out there in the tight end market specifically. It just it sucks because you're not going to get that one guy who you really felt could come in here and be just that for sure thing. Like if I get Hayden Hurst, he kind of just he, he hasn't really panned out as like or had that kind of breakout season that Dalton Schultz just had, where it's like I feel really confident that he's going to be a consistent force on my offense. I'm not getting that out of Hayden Hurst, and I don't know if I will. I could, but I just don't know if I will. That's the thing too. It's definitely more of a gamble right now, which is I think why Joe Douglas is more comfortable taking that gamble in the draft with cheapest contract possible, a moldable player. And then you don't really have to go through also the free agency of bidding wars, but it looks like the best way instead of dumping too much draft capital right into that tight end position is to just sign one draft one. I'd love to draft too, like draft Rucker, draft McBride. That'd be cool. I just don't see that though, as a Joe Douglas kind of game plan. Yeah, and that's we'll get into the draft. Actually, let's get into the draft now because so we're talking about the tight ends, and you mentioned the 
what you just mentioned is a really good point. Like looking at it from Joe Douglas's perspective and a lot of fans, when they're talking about the draft, they'll be like, Oh, I can see the jets doing this and this. And they don't really take into account of, of how Douglas has drafted over the past couple of years. And you, his first draft was an obvious miss. Like we, we know that he did not hit on a lot of guys in that first draft. Still kind of waiting to see how Beckton does. And Mims is pretty much a lost cause, but he really did revive himself after last year and seeing some of the guys that he hit on, especially later in the draft, which was impressive. Um, so I think the big debate more than any free agent this offseason has been, what are the Jets going to do at four and 10? I guess I'll just lay it out there for you. What do you want the Jets to do at four and 10? And what do you think the Jets will do at four and 10 when the time comes? Uh, that's a tough question. What I want them to do. What I want them to do is, you know, the perfect scenario of draft an edge at four. Then I'm all for either corner or receiver at 10. A few different names I can go back and forth there. What I think they're going to do, though, I think we're going to be taking a corner at four, whether it's sauce. I think it's going to be sauce, honestly. It seems like that's kind of gaining some steam out there. And then I think we're going to be taking a a wide receiver at 10, like a guy, maybe Drake London, maybe Wilson. I'm not too sure exactly on the names yet, but that's what I think will happen. And, you know, as I'm sure 99% of Jets fans, everyone wants to get cave on or somehow hutch at four instead. So I actually completely disagree with you on what I think is going to happen, which is good. We don't don't typically disagree. (laughs) No, it is good. I think there is, very little chance that Douglas actually pulls the trigger on a cornerback at 10. I can't even fathom him taking one at four. And I'm very wishy-washy on taking cornerbacks that early on. Prime example, J.C. Horn last year. Guy was supposed to be an automatic come in, start. He, He gets injured right off the bat, which is, it's tough. That's bad luck. But he didn't, he was not on the field. It is tough for cornerbacks to come in right away and just be a lockdown corner. It's just, it's one of the toughest, if not the toughest positions in the National Football League to come in and be a starting defensive back. Like you would think at the rate that they're drafted, you would see like a bunch of Darrell Revis's running around and Jalen Ramsey's running around. You just don't like they just fall off so quickly or they don't live up to the, to the hype of like what a number four pick should be. So, Stopping at my rant there, I think what's going to happen is if if one of the edge rushers are not there, and I mean Hutchinson or Thibodeau, I would hope Thibs, but takes Thibs or takes uh, Icky out of uh, NC State at four. And then I think at 10, it's going to be either a wide receiver or it's double down on defense. Not what I want to do, but what I think could happen. And I could see Kyle Hamilton falling to 10 and I could see us doubling down on defense in some regard there. Um, what I want, I would love to see at four, obviously Thibodeau, that would be my dream right there. And then I do want to see it in this also, also depends on the, on what we do in free agency. Like if we bolster the offensive line in free agency, I'm not going to want to take an offensive lineman at four. I'm not again not going to be against it, but the more depth you could have is is great. Number ten, I really do think that we are taking a wide receiver, unless we sign like an A Rob in free agency. Um, it's a very deep wide receiver class, so I could also see us taking a wide receiver in the second or third. That's kind of how I think it's going to play out, though. 
um, from Joe Douglas's perspective and what I want. I could definitely see us kicking the can with wide receiver, especially getting a guy. If we get a guy like Allen Robinson, of course, don't take a wide receiver at 10. I think that would just be silly. But I, even if we don't get, say, Allen Robinson, we try, we kind of get uh, smaller names. Like, I want to say DJ Chark's a smaller name, but he is compared to A-Rob. But get a guy like Chark, then we double up on defense, like you just said, draft a wide receiver in the second because the class is so deep. I would be fine with that. And I actually, I kind of, I like the double up on defense mentality as well. If Hamilton's there at 10, I haven't seen too many mocks where he is, but if he is, I see no reason why we should not be taking him there because our safeties were so weak last season. Uh, Marcus May, I'd say 99% chance he's a goner. The uh, Marcus Joyner we brought back, but he's old. He's kind of in that weird hybrid role where he's played linebacker for a few teams. No reason to be putting all of our eggs in his basket. So I'd be fine if somehow Hamilton fell down to 10 and we snagged him up there. I think you got to take him if he falls there too. And I, I, he's a really good prospect. There's a lot of people saying that he should, we should take him at four. Again, I'm not on board with taking a DB a safety at that pick. Like I just, I, I, just, I know Kyle Hamilton's probably worth it at four too, but I just don't think the position that we're in, we, we can just take a Kyle Hamilton at four. We just, we cannot, we can't do that because I think that there's way too many other holes. And I think free agency starting tomorrow is going to tell us a lot of like how this draft's going to play out. A lot of people are expecting the Jets to go out and spend a decent amount of money. I personally don't think that's going to happen. Like I, I know there was a port that Garofalo came out with the other day that said that the Jets are looking to spend big in free agency. Douglas is going to hit on a couple of guys. Just based on what he's done in the past, I don't see it happening. And I don't see why he would. So I also saw a tweet from it was uh i forget exactly who it was from i think maybe kyle yates regardless though uh it said how since 2016 the biggest spender in free agency has added at least three wins to their team with the biggest uh win total being added was i think the dolphins going adding five wins after spending the most money in free agency of course as a jets fan everyone's going to be jumping on that saying oh yeah let's add three wins right now uh, we can add three wins. We're going from four and 13 to seven and uh, six or whatever. And no, not seven, six, seven and 10. Jeez, math is a little hard today. <laughs> but regardless of that, um, you, we want to add those wins. But like you just said, there's no, no reason we have seen Joe Douglas to be a big spender in free agency. And to be honest, there's no reason to rush into that to just spend for the sake of spending. We all know how that went with Mac. And I'm surprised. I think the cutoff year was 2015 after we spent a crap load in free agency and didn't add any wins. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, and it's not saying that I don't want him to spend money because then there's the side of the fans are like, oh, well, you're just, what are we going to constantly sit back and never spend money? Like, I, I want to spend money, but I want to do it smart. Like, add pieces where it makes sense and spend in free agency where it makes sense. Like I would much rather get a guy like shark rather than spending like a ridiculous amount of money on, on Allen Robinson when shark has, he's been injured, but he's shown really good production when he's healthy. And it's also been like a, a very inconsistent situation for him where he hasn't had like 
a lot of steady quarterback play. It's, you know, there's Minshew, then there's the whole Urban Meyer thing, Lawrence, and then he was injured. It's just a whole bunch of things going on for him. Like, I, I feel like that could be a value pick, but I could also see him being overpaid. Like, free agency is where players get overpaid. So <laughs> we can't we can't forget that. Some of these bargain deals that we're going to be talking about pre-free agency, and then there's always that one guy that comes out on the first day that gets paid, and you're like, that's not what I thought he was going to get paid because teams don't care. They want the guy, so they're going to overpay for him. That's what free agency is. Everybody gets overpaid in free agency. Everybody's overpaid and everybody's getting paid on the expectation that they can repeat their past performances, which here's the big surprise. Virtually no one can be repeating their past performances. If players are, then they don't hit free agency. Like, that's just it. So speaking of free agency, now that we're on the topic, Give me a couple guys that you want. Let's talk first talk about Braxton Berrios. Do you think he's going to be a Jet next year? I wish he was, but I just don't see it happening, especially with the way we're seeing these wide receiver contracts be handed out like they're fun coupons at the kitty store. <laughs> it's just Braxton's going to be getting eight, maybe eight mil from a team that's uh, like a team like the Jaguars, who they're losing a guy like DJ Chark. They kind of want to fill in new organization there. They just tore down their uh, front office once again. So they want to say, hey, get this guy, a little slot receiver, a little special teams returner. Could be a good target for Trevor Lawrence. We'll give him eight mil. Why not? Joe Douglas, hopefully, is just not going to be that sucker for Braxton and giving him. I mean, he deserves it. He just doesn't deserve it from us. Yeah, it's. Again, overpaid. So what is his actual value? Again, I think it's right around five to six million. And that's what I think it, what everyone believes is fair. But again, if I'm Braxton Barrios and I can get eight million for what I'm what I am, and we've all we all have identified what he is. He's a punt returner, he's a kick returner, and he's a fourth, fifth wide receiver on your team. That's typically not worth eight or nine million dollars, but he could get that in free agency, which is crazy. And that's why you don't overpay guys. Listen, I think if he were to be back. The deal probably would have been done by now. But think about it. I mean, free agency starts tomorrow. If the Jets and him were, were very close in talks, why wouldn't he be re-signed already? So unfortunately, he's probably gone. I would at this point be I'll probably more shocked if he was back than if he's if he leaves. I would definitely be shocked if he was back. Just like you said, maybe there's a slight chance where he wants to have his agent go talk out to a few teams, but there's no shot he's going to talk to a few teams and then come back here saying with his tail between his legs saying, Oh, Joe Douglas, you were right. I should have taken this 4 million that you offered me. He's going to go out there. He's going to get a bag from somebody well-deserved, but definitely don't want to be tying up just a special team slash wide receiver four to that kind of money. And I also can't wait for when someone does pay him and it's like 7 million. And then a report comes out saying like Joe Douglas, like, wouldn't budge from his like $4 million offer. And then everyone goes up in arms saying Joe Douglas stinks. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, we saw that with Robbie though. Like he didn't want to pay past his number. We didn't resign him and everyone was pissed off. So not comparing Robbie to Braxton, but kind of similar situations as it's kind of like a, a guy that we really like in our locker room. We really like as a jet and we want to bring back, but Douglas is just like, I'm not moving from this price because I know his worth. And I mean, years later, you could make the argument that Joe Douglas letting Robbie go was like not that big a mistake anymore. 
because no, he he really did he really did drop off and there was rumors that Robbie wanted to come back to New York which I think there's no no chance he comes back to New York and I don't want him back in New York frankly I really don't care for him if he comes back that'd be cool but I, he's not someone that I'm begging to come back to this team especially after you see how one dimensional he was this season it's just Sam Darnold barely gave him the ball. The other QBs, Cam Wills, uh, sorry, Cam Newton barely gave him the ball. It's just Robbie, he's a one-dimensional re- receiver. There's no way other to look at it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't want him back, but whatever. If you like he's like you said, if he finds his way back, whatever. All right. Other free agents aside from who we're bringing back internally. How about external free agents? Is there any guys that you have circled on your radar that you're like? I really think there's a possibility or is there a guy that you're like, I want him and there's probably no chance. (laughs) Well, I'm going to bring up a guy that you brought up actually the other day in a text message. You're my guys, huh? Austin Corbett. I would love to get a guy like him or a guy like James Daniels from the bears, both of them right guards. Ideally we just keep a LDT for one more year, but to be honest, Let's try and upgrade. I mean, getting a guy like Corbett, he's 27 years old. Give him kind of like, what do you think? Five mil APY. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe like four mil. But this is a could be a solidifying piece for our right guard position, which was easily the weakest until LDT stepped in. But he's 31 years old. There's no reason that we should be holding on to a 31-year-old when we could get someone younger and possibly better. So... I'm stealing this guy from you, Joey. I would love to get him day one of free agency. Just boom. That's our line right there. We, uh, Joe Douglas has built that wall practically. Now you're just hoping Becton comes back full strength, fans there, consistency. You got uh, AVT holding it down. Then you got Connor McGovern keeping his play at a hopefully above average level like he did this season. Yeah, the reason why I like him so much is because I think it's a I don't want to rely on LDT as a starter and a consistent starter. Like LDT is a really good piece to have. If he has to start, I would love for someone else to be starting at that right guard position. As you said, more of an upgrade. If you do spend money on right guard in this, in this uh, free agent class, that's going to kind of pave the way for and clear out the road of like what we're going to be doing in this draft at number four, because if we don't really touch the offensive line, that makes me think that Douglas is probably taking one of the offensive linemen at four if they're available. I personally would kind of like to address it via free agency. And I know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of smoke around Jensen from Tampa Bay. I don't really know if that makes too much sense considering he's going to want in the ballpark of 13, 14 million for a center who's 31 years old with Connor McGovern, who we already have is pretty serviceable. And I would say average, what are we really upgrading to? Like, I, 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 31 years old, Jensen's great, but it's <laughs> a lot of money for a center at that age. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, that's a lot of money. And O line, especially, I think is one of the areas in the NFL where you do see these 30 year olds more consistently being able to compete well. But this guy already won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tom Brady's gone. Big whoop. He might just want to stay there. He's 31. Who has he got? Three more years until retirement. Tampa Bay, nice and warm. 
He has the starting job, knows the system well. And you know what? They're probably going to give him the money he wants. He'll probably take a slight discount there. If we want to drag him over up into New York, that's where he's definitely going to be asking for that 13 million paycheck. And Joe Douglas is probably going to look at that and just say no way for the marginal upgrade of Connor McGovern to that. Not worth it. Again, look at the value. Like, look at it. Put on your hat. Be, be Joe Douglas for a second and think, would he do that? Like, it's it's pretty easy to, to think about what he would do and what he wouldn't do. And he looks at value a lot. I have a couple names here. I mean, a couple long shots. I don't know if we're going to pay a guy like Marcus Williams from the Saints. I, I wouldn't really hate that. Like, if we get a guy like that, 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 that rounds out DBs pretty nicely. Um, a couple other names here that I'll kind of just shoot at you. Like, I've heard a lot about Tyron Matthew, a lot of smoke around that, him coming to the Jets. Not crazy about it. Don't hate it. Like, you get that guy. He's a field general, probably on a two-year deal. Um, he's a good veteran. Like, I, I wouldn't mind that. I just – I don't think, again, it's a Joe Douglas move in my eyes. Um, I think, yeah, Tyron Matthews specifically, I think, is that guy kind of looking to join a championship team one-year contract where he can just kind of automatically be plugged in, almost like Eric Weddle was for the Rams, plug him in somewhere. He makes a slight difference, you know, does his job, but one-year contract for a championship team seems more likely for him instead of a three-year with the Jets. Like, we had a chance with him back when we had Adams in May. Like, I think when he had that stint to the Texans, we were kind of rumored to be in on him as well. But he he didn't he didn't want to go to the Jets. Like, he wasn't going to play with May and Adams there. So, not a huge deal. I don't think that actually happens. Again, would not hate it. Just think that team's going to have to pay a little bit more money for him because he is a solid player. I mean, Allen Robinson is, is the next guy on my list. I personally don't think it's going to happen just because of how much money he's going to command got tagged last year just don't really see i mean it would be great you, you you look at draw up all these hypothetical scenarios with amari cooper and calvin ridley and dk metcalf and sure a rob and Corey davis and elijah moore it sounds great but it's going to be expensive and considering the jets could have just pretty much just shipped off a fifth and paid similar money for a kind of same tier wide receiver i just don't see them doing it in free agency could be wrong, but I just don't see it. I see someone that's going to be of lesser value, maybe like a DJ Shark that Douglas will go after, as you had mentioned earlier. It just makes a little bit more sense, especially considering how good this draft class is with the wide receivers. So I think that'll tell you a lot as, as to what we're going to do in the draft as well. Like, I think it's pretty obvious that we're going to take a wide receiver at some point. Are we going to go completely dry into free agency and pick one at 10, or are we going to maybe get a guy like Shark and then afford to grab one in the second round and add more depth so it's going to be interesting as well another guy i think shot in the dark here i would like to see maybe add like instead of doubling down on tight end in the draft grabbing like an Ertz and then maybe like an, a mcbride like i would like to see a combination of those guys i think that's a, a really interesting way to go about tight end hitting into this offseason i wouldn't mind that at all um i am still a little bit stuck on everett i think i'd rather him but Ertz, another good name I, it just seems more likely that we will be signing a tight end and then drafting one instead of drafting two. Maybe get a guy like CJ Uzoma. I know he had the injury. I'm not sure uh, what his timeline for being healthy is looking like, but he could be kind of a nice little gamble there. And But there are a bunch of tight ends out there on the market where 
you don't have to draft two. Ertz is one. You could uh, take a guy like Everett. You could take a guy like Blake Jarwin. Jarwin has a really odd hip injury, though, so he's probably not in there. Robert Tunyon, he's going to be a free agent. I'm not sure. The Packers might let him go just because their cap constraints, especially with Aaron Rodgers' new contract. And they have Devontae Adams, who they're most likely franchise tagging and just going to hold on to him for dear life. But there's a bunch of options out there for the Jets at tight end. Because you start to look at the, all the real possibilities here of like how you'd fill out the roster. So like, say you did go the, the route of, okay, I'm going to take Zach Ertz and I'm going to draft a wide receiver maybe in the third round. So maybe you're looking at a an Ertz and Ruckert situation, which is a really nice, I think, a really nice position to be at, at that spot. Now, say you draft Garrett Wilson at 10. Now your offense all of a sudden looks like Zach Wilson, Michael Carter, and then you add another guy, uh, an offensive lineman in free agency like a Corbett, and now you're, you're really starting to round it out. Because now, now your offensive line, you added a, another an upgrade at what is going to be right guard. You have more depth. Hopefully, Beckton is healthy. Hopefully, ABT is, is better than he was last season. You have McGovern at center, and then you have Fant, who has just blossomed into this beautiful right tackle, can swing over to left if need be. And again, Mekhi Becton, by no stretch of the imagination, has guaranteed that position. Robert Sala said that. He's going to have to fight for that spot. But now you're looking at three really good wide receivers, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, and then a really good tight end situation plus an upgraded line. So again, I think a lot of people are freaking out about paying a wide receiver in free agency. I don't think you need to pay a wide receiver to get this offense in the right spot in 2022. No, I don't think you have to either. There's a lot, like you just listed out, this can be taken into many different directions, but to be honest, I think the bigger side of the ball that we're going to be focusing on, not focusing on, but to can't forget about is defense. We're seeing how it looks like Foley is going to be gone for the Jets this year. We're going to have to replace him, whether it be draft or in free agency. The Jets are in desperate need of a linebacker. And as we just mentioned with the draft, edge is still a problem. Yeah, Carl Lawson's going to be coming back, but who knows? We might need a guy that's on rotation there. Maybe, uh, maybe we have someone that just comes in on a quick, cheap, prove-it deal. Maybe bringing a veteran that can just come in on passing downs. There's a lot of different things we're going to have to see Joe Douglas do with this defense to make sure they are competitive as well on the ball. Yeah, we just don't know what Lawson's going to be coming back as well. That's why I think like grabbing Thibodeau at four would just be the ultimate like home run pick for the Jets. And I love, I love it. I hope he falls. I just hope he falls because I think it's one of those moves that everyone's scared of. I, everyone thinks that he has character issues for whatever weird reason. And he falls to the Jets at four and we get him. And then we have Lawson and, and Thibs on the outside, which is an amazing duo. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, so, and I, I tweeted this out a, about a week ago, the fact that there's so many different ways that you can go about this off season and end up with a really good plan just shows that, Douglas has put this team in a position to, to be set up correctly and, and to be navigated right in many different ways. It's just about executing the plans. Like you need a hit on the right guys. And this is where, this is where it's going to come down to. Is he a good GM? Does he do his job as a general manager? Because right now this year is pretty much almost do or die because if Zach Wilson doesn't play well next year, you know, Joe Douglas could be looking out the door. 
this is the off season where he practically needs to be perfect. And one flaw throughout this off season game plan, and on top of say if Zach Wilson doesn't work out, that's just asking to be fired. And it sucks, but that's the reality of the NFL where you're in stage three of this rebuild. If you're not going to be showing major improvements by this time, then you need a different guy to be calling the shots. And hopefully, I really, I don't think it's going to come down to that, but it is going to be the deciding year for Joe Douglas this season. It's crazy that we're already at this point, but every move, it's crucial. And it starts tomorrow on March, what are we, 14th at 12 p.m. tomorrow is when the tampering period opens up. And uh, everything becomes official two days later. So it's going to be a crazy few days here. Uh, we're going to be back with you next Sunday, actually. Sunday is going to be kind of our hopefully off-season schedule here. We have a guest next Sunday, so stay tuned for that. Really, super excited for that. Um, any closing thoughts out of you before we head into to free agency period tomorrow? Joey, this is the, uh, the time that Jets fans live for. This is the off-season. This is what we wanted. This is what we've been asking for. I'm excited to get after it. So glad that we're going to be officially back on a more rigorous schedule here with the podcast and we're going to be having a lot of stuff to talk about that's one thing and everyone can count on and happy one year to the jets lab podcast i believe we started up on february 20 something but we've been yeah. doing it for over a year so uh happy one year to you and uh and the podcast happy one year uh, one year anniversary one year anniversary man it's it's pretty it's pretty nuts so we're 40 episode 44 um if we didn't take a just that that such casual two-month break we might be heading more like towards episode 60 but we're only on episode 44 but that's what happens when you don't do something it just stops yeah no one's gonna (laughs) do it for you so i i haven't seen a lot of uh of followers coming out to the the jets lab pod twitter go follow us on our personal accounts too at hall and hondos at second dollars that's where we're talking mainly we try to do a good job of talking on there but you know sometimes it's a lot of effort to, to click that other button and go on the Jets Lab one. Do you agree? Yeah. yeah, first world problems. I mean, trying to switch Twitter accounts to send a tweet a day, that's a, that's a lot asking for a lot right there. It is. All right, well, we want to thank you guys for listening. We'll be back to you next Sunday with a uh, special guest, so stay tuned for that. And uh, as always, go Jets.